<laughs> All right. Hey, it's good to see you guys. Like Sincerity said, some new faces in the, in the house. So good. As we're coming up, I can't believe it's coming up on a year that we've not been in the theater. And uh, I'm so grateful for this space and uh, just be able to have more and more come out as they feel comfortable. So thanks for being with us today. Uh, we're in a series that's a one another. It's a relationship series called One Another. And so what we've been taking is there's these, there's these scriptures throughout the New Testament uh, that, is, that is said over and over, this, this phrase, one another. And so uh, we've been taking these and applying these principles to our life. And really, if you get these, these scriptures right, you actually get relationships right. And that's what the point of what Jesus was talking about with Paul is. So we said this, if you get relationships right, everything else will follow, right? And we, we tend to focus on the wrong things, make, makes the, the little things big, and, and sometimes the big things little. And God is always saying, make sure you don't get those confused. Make sure you make the important things the most important things, not just the urgent things, right? So if you get relationships right, everything else in your life is going to work. But if you don't get them right, it doesn't matter. Everything else that works financial, financially, work, whatever, um, pleasure, right? If your relationships aren't healthy, all of those things eventually will, they won't mean what they could mean. They'll be meaningless. So let's get our relationships right. I mean, this is why it's so important, because our relationships, they determine who we are, right? So far from this point up to your life, the relationships you've had have impacted who you've become or who you are, and they're going to impact who you will become. So let's get these right so we can become the right people that God wants us to have, right? And last week, we had Shannon and Nikki. Didn't they do a great job? Man, I appreciate them coming and sharing. One of the things that stood out to me that Nikki said is she said, she asked the question, in what areas of, of your life can you be lazy and not have negative consequences? I thought that was a great question. And, and they talked about um, just the other aspect of relationships, right? But it's going to take work because here's what you need to know. Relationships are messy. Relationships are hard. Relationships are difficult at times, right? And, and the lie is they should just work. Well, no, they work if you work at them. And as soon as you stop working at them, they stop working. That's just how relationships are. And, and, she, and this question really brings that to the, front, the forefront. A lot of times it's, it's laziness on our part that we just don't work on the right things or the hard things. Now, let me say this. In life, typically, uh, the hard things are the things that we push off, right? And typically, the hard things are the important things. Um, the easy things is what takes our time. So when we're faced with something difficult, like you have, you know, a big load of laundry. It's kind of like, ah, that looks like, looks like a lot of work. I'm going to just go and get on my phone and just kind of, you know, it's because it's a quick fix, Right. And people tend to go to the easy things, not the hard things. And the one in others is always saying, hey, let's talk about the hard things. The one in others of Scripture is saying, let's make sure we make people important. Make sure your relationships are healthy. Otherwise, it'll be all about pleasure. It'll be all about ease. It'll all be about what's comfortable. And we're pushing against that, saying sometimes the difficulty is actually where you need to go. The tension is what you need to go into. Sometimes the, the – so let's not be lazy. That was, that was good from last week, right? And so they challenged us to get in a small group and to get on team. And so hopefully you guys will do that, take their challenge, and do it because it will impact your life, all right? So John uh, 13, Jesus says this, the new command I give you, and this would have been kind of uh, shocking uh, because Moses had given the people of Israel a lot of commandments, right? God gave them to, to Moses. Um, to, 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 so throughout the Old Testament, you will find 613 commandments uh, that God gave to the people of Israel, things they should do, things they shouldn't do. So when he says a new command, um, that would be kind of shocking to his listeners because who can give the only one person to give new commands, right? It'd be God. And so he's essentially saying, let me show you guys why I've come. And he says, this new command I give you, love one another. So here's a one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. And the reason Paul and Peter and James and John all wrote the one another's throughout the new Testament is because they were following Jesus example. And he said, the one another's are important. So he says, love one another as I have loved you. So he gives us the example. Well, you must love one another by this. He says, Everyone will know you're my disciples if you love one 
another. How do you know if somebody's a follower of Christ? They love people. They know how to love one another. They, they, they're, they're practicing the one another's that God invites us into. And that's, the, that's what this, this uh, series is about, saying let's talk about these one another's because they're throughout the scripture. In fact, there's a, there's a lot of them. And so um, Romans 12, we'll talk about one of the, the one another's that, that Paul encourages us. He says, be of the same mind toward one another. So this is about unity, right? It's about choosing how to focus on something we can agree upon, not just things that divide us. And honestly, the one another series came from this thought one night. Um, I was laying in bed, and I just couldn't sleep. And usually it's a Saturday. Saturdays, that's like a wrestling match. I'm just getting ready for sundown. If I'm excited, I don't know what it is, but um, I just sometimes have these, like, wrestling matches through the night. And when I was thinking about it, it was in the middle of, like, you know, what's going to happen with, with the country, and there's a lot of division. And I was kind of thinking about, you know, what was taking place in our nation as we divide, right? And, and politically, we become – we're becoming further and further apart, right? The, the different sides, they, they, they really are, they're, they're, they're going further and further apart. And so that creates a lot of division. Now, majority of people, I think they kind of fall in the middle, but the loudest voices usually are on the two end, edges, and they're beginning to fight. And if we're not careful, that thing will, will separate. In fact, Jesus said any house that's divided can't stand. It'll eventually fall, right? Now, we thought Abraham Lincoln said that, well, he did, but he got it from Jesus, right? Any, any house that's divided will fall. It, it, won't, it won't last. And so Paul is saying, we need to be the same mind towards one another. So if you want healthy relationships, you have to figure out how to have unity, which means we have to learn to have common ground in different areas of our lives. And he says, hey, here's how you do it. If you want unity, if you want to be able to have the same mind towards one another, do not be haughty. That's like don't be proud, right? Don't, don't have all this pride in your life. Haughty in your mind. That means like don't think of yourself better than you really are, but associate with the lowly. So poor people, people that, are, that, that a lot of times society would think like, they're not important. He's saying even love those people, right? Love, love everybody. Do not be wise in your own estimation. He's saying be, be really aware of, of the view, how you view yourself. Right? Have a correct view. He's not saying have a low view. It's not like think of yourself like, like you're nothing. He's saying have, have a realistic view that, that you, you wouldn't put yourself above somebody else. And so he's saying don't have, don't have a proud view of yourself. So um, when people live in disunity, God always backs off. It just it, it, there's something in division that pushes God out of the picture, right? Throughout Scripture, and the one strategy the enemy had from the beginning was to divide man from God, man from each other, right? Husband and wife from each other, brothers. The first murder in the in the Bible is because of division, right? So we see this. So when we don't have when, when there's disunity, God backs off. And here's the thing about unity: it's not uniformity. It doesn't mean we all look the same, talk the same, right? You have different gifts than I do, and that's a great thing. Because we can accomplish more by using our unique gifts, our unique talents, our unique personalities. That, that it should be, we should all be unique in a sense that we are different from one another. We celebrate those differences, right? That's not, that's not unity. That's, that's, we're not talking about uniformity where we have to look the same. Unity is oneness of purpose. So in any relationship, if you want to have one mind in a relationship where you're, it's healthy, you have to have oneness of purpose. Amos says, how can you go somewhere unless the two of you have agreed upon that destination? So in life... When you have agreed upon destination, so it's interesting when politics, like when we go into war, you ever notice how it's not red or blue? It's red, white, and blue, right? It's like all of us are going to charge the enemy because now we have a common enemy, right? And what happens in society right now is when, when we don't have an enemy, the media has to make an enemy. So we have to fight somebody, right? And so it's interesting, last, the last president, he was the enemy, right? And now if you watch, it's it really interesting how they'll – well, they really can't, like, say much about him anymore, so now they're going after different governors and different people, right, even our, our own governor. 
it's kind of under attack a little bit, right? Because they have to find an enemy, and they have to put all the problems on somebody. And because the strategy is, we want to be unified around something. So let's let's use our energy to fight somebody or something. And that's that's what oneness of purpose is. It's saying, what if we didn't make each other the enemy, but the enemy the enemy? So the people that make dumb decisions in our lives, they're not the enemy, right? They're just sometimes swayed by the enemy. Sometimes they make foolish decisions. Um, we're just as capable of that. Sometimes it's us on the flip end, right, doing those things, the flip side. And so we, we, unity is really important in scriptures. And so God is saying, have, have Paul's challenge is have one mind, be unified in your lives. Romans 12, 10, this, this whole chapter is about relationship. He says, be devoted to one another in love. So another one another. Honor one another above yourselves. So throughout scripture, Paul is challenging us to, to do this, right, to have uh, this, this idea of, of, of caring for each other. Jesus said, by loving one another, you'll prove that you're my disciples. So there's a passage of scripture I want to read that really can set a lot of people off in our culture. That it kind of makes them, um, I don't know what the feeling would be, but it kind of makes them kind of like, ooh, that kind of sounds like a very, um, what's the word, old, um, ancient, ancient maybe, <laughs> idea, right? Because sometimes people say that about the Bible, like that's so, it's, it just doesn't, it doesn't um, help us today. That's like for, for them back in the day. That helped them, but it just really doesn't apply to us. And there's one scripture. Paul says, hey, if you, get, if you do these things, you'll, you'll have healthy relationships. And in this context, he's actually specifically talking to husbands and wives. He's talking to the marriage context. And this is what he says in Ephesians 5.22. He says, wives, submit yourselves to your own husband as you do to the Lord. Pretty simple, right? You can wrap it up and just go home. Just submit to yourselves. And here's what, what's interesting about this topic. When, when women specifically hear that, they, they think, wait, 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 <laughs> time out. I'm supposed to submit to a guy? Like, what is this about? Like, this is, this is not the culture we live in. That's what they'll say that's antiquated or it's old, right? It, it just it, it's not, it doesn't fit our culture, which is good. Hold on to that thought for a second because where do we get that idea in the first place, right, in our culture, in our day? So he says, wives, submit yourself to your own husband as you do the Lord. And they hear this word submit, and it's kind of like a bad word, right? It's like, wait, wait, what? But what's interesting, if you read the, the little literal Greek, the little translation says this, wives, to your own husbands as to the Lord. There's no submit there. So where does Paul get the word? Where, where do we get this in this, this, this verse when they translate it? Where do we get the word submit? It comes from the verse before, which I'll show you in a second. So the literal transcript would be there's no verb, right? Because um, submit is, is, is missing. But it's because in, in the Greek, they would, they would infer it from the verse before. Like, what he's talking about only makes sense in the context of what came before. And here's the thing. For us, um, this is something maybe, it's not a new idea. But for the hearers of, of, of Paul, this would have been a new idea. The listeners of Jesus, what he was saying about women was a new idea. In fact, um, in, in their day, there was this term, patria potestas. Essentially meant that the man had legal jurisdiction over the wives and over the kids. More than just legal jurisdiction, they were more like property to that person. So men had a lot of influence, and kids and women didn't. And so, um, so um, if, if the husband, like, like the kids, if, he, if he's talking to the kids and the wives, they would be like, well, it's not a new idea, of course. If I don't submit to my husband, then he sells me as a slave, right? He figures out a reason to, uh, to disown me and, and, and my kids. If they, they disbehave, then he gets rid of them. That's how much power the man had in the family. And so they knew for them it wasn't a new idea. It was like, of course, if I don't do this, I just die. But for the rest of culture, this is kind of like, wait, wait, what are you talking about, right? 
To us, it's a big deal. To them, this wasn't. And here's why. Because when he says, um, wives, submit to your, to your own husband as unto the Lord, there's a verse that comes before that where we get the word submit. And this is what it says. It says, submit to one another out of the reverence for Christ. So Paul's going to teach us, right? He's saying submit to one another. Before he talks to the wives, before he talks to children, before he talks to husbands, he's just saying, hey, guys, we need to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And Paul is pointing us back to Christ. When he's giving us his commands, he's saying that the idea is let's look at the life of Christ. What in Christ do we see that's going to help us to accomplish this? How can we submit to one another? So he says, in light of what God has done for you, love other people. Well, what did he do? He said, love one another as I have loved you. What did he, he washed their feet. He died on a, a cross, a brutal death, so they didn't have to, right? He stepped in the way, and he says, now go do that for others. You're going to follow me, Jesus says. Learn to follow my example. And that's what Paul's saying. Out of reverence for Christ, let's submit to one another. So we read wives submit to your husbands. They say, whoa, whoa, that's not. But Paul's saying, hey, this word submit is about us doing this to each other. It's about living a life saying, how can I not see myself higher than you? Right? So guys, you're not more important than women. Guys, you're not important, more important than kids. Now, what he's, what he's challenging is saying, we don't do this because it's law. We do this because it's a choice that we make, right? So in all the light of God has done, he's saying submission is mutual. It's gotta, it's gotta take, it takes both parties to say, what would happen if we submitted to one another? Like, like you go first. No, no, you go first, right? I really wanted my, my own things to happen, but I'm going to help you get your, accomplish your, your dreams and desires first. In that relationship, it becomes a very healthy relationship because the other person begins to build – you build trust, and they realize – that person cares for me and wants me to accomplish more in my life. Like what they're saying is actually helping me, not just to use me, not to take away from me, but to add value to me. So he says, this is all about mutual submission. If you're going to do the one another as well, you have to have mutual submission that you say, we're, we're, one of us is not more important than the other in the eyes of God. We are equal. So in our society, we understand that, right? Women have, have, have a lot of rights. They've, they've gained a lot of rights over, over the last couple centuries. Well, back in his day, they didn't have a lot of rights. Women, you didn't have a lot of rights. Um, and really, this is the key to, to, to Christian relationships and to Christian marriages, is that when we have mutual submission, right, it makes, it makes these, these uh, relationships amazing because we're saying, I'm, I'm here for you because God was there for me. I'm here for you. I'm going to do for you what God has done for me. You have different gifts, skills, talents, right, but, but we don't have different values. We might look differently, but... In the eyes of God, we are, we are the same. God loves us both. And so Paul is saying, learn to have this, this mutual submission. So he says, wives, submit yourself to your own husband as you do to the Lord. Notice how he, what he, he's comparison to. You, wives, you make a choice. Just as you feel to God, do that same thing to him. Treat him in that same manner, right? Um, and w- women usually say, well, well, wait, wait, time out. I have to submit to a man, right? Well, I, I, they did a survey, and they, they said, you know, out of all the men, which, which men are worth submitting to? And it turns out 100% of the men are not worth submitting to, right? None of us get it right all the time, except Jesus. He's the only one. So we all blow it at some time, right? So at points, you will not want to submit to somebody in your life. So he's not saying you do this because the person is worthy of, of being submitted to. You do it because you're doing it as unto Christ, men and women. So Paul is saying God, God requests it. And, and, and really what would have come next in a second would, would, would really shock people. But 
The reason it shocks us in our culture is because women and men have more of equal rights. We, we have equal rights now in our, in our world, especially in the United States. There's a lot of freedoms that have come. But where do, they, where do we get that from? From Jesus, from Paul. So women, if you want to know who fought for your rights 2,000 years ago, it was a man named Jesus. If you want to know who fought for your rights, it was a man named Paul. Because they were saying, let's challenge the status quo. Let's challenge culture. It's not men and women. Right? And kids and slaves and all these things. It's, it's humans. It's people. And Jesus came and modeled that for us. And that's why the religious people were so mad at him because he hung out with the sinners and the tax collectors and the lame. And he touched the lepers. Oh, gross. In that culture, that's what it had been. But he says, no, no, this person has value. Intrinsic value because I gave it to him as a person made in the image of Christ. But the reason it's, it's really shocking if you listen to the whole statement is because now what would have shocked him is now he says, husbands, let me talk to you husbands, love your wives. Whoa, 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 wait, wait, time out. All right, I get those submit part. The women should. That's just part of culture, right, for them. That was kind of their idea. But wait, wait, time out. Love? Like, guys would have said, I don't have an obligation to my wife. Like, she's there to serve my needs. She's there to take care of me, right? That's what they would have thought. Whoa, time out. I don't have an obligation to her. She has an obligation to me and he says wait i'm not done so husbands love your wives just as and this is key just as all the new testament after after the resurrection of christ whenever you see it just as i almost guarantee it's always pointing to what jesus did for us and it's the key to understand how we're supposed to live our lives as jesus followers so when you read throughout scripture and you see it just as typically it's saying here's the example you see in jesus here's the example you see in paul here's the example in it it's, it's the connection, it's the link, right, for, for, this, for, for what's going to take place next. And he says, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. Whoa, whoa, whoa. they would have said, okay, um, I know it's going to come next, right? So this would have been a Christian audience, the, the, the church in Ephesus would have been uh, the, reading this letter from Paul. And they would have said, whoa, whoa, time out. I, I know it's coming next, right? So if I'm supposed to love my wives as, as Christ loved the church, well, what did Christ do for the church? He died on a cross for his church, for his bride. Oh, Paul, time out, Paul. Um, this is kind of extreme in their culture, right? Like, wait, wait, this is not really like what I signed up for. I have to die? And I always tell when I talk with couples, you know, so it says wives submit, husbands die. It's like the guys have the harder job. Well, I mean, you just have to like, kind of like go with the, go, like submit right to each other, but husbands have to actually lay down their lives for their family. It's a bigger responsibility on them. He says he gave himself up for her, for the church. So you're telling me, Paul, that I have the responsibility, that we all have responsibility to begin to see each other like this, not like this, not like this, just like this, that the people around us, they matter, not how much money they have, not their education, not the color of their skin, just people matter to God. He died for them. He died for them. And he goes on. He didn't stop, though. He says in Ephesians 5, 28, he says, In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. So you want to make sure that they got the picture, right? Because earlier in, the, in, the, in the, the, the book, that he wrote, the letter he wrote, he talked about how we as the body of Christ, where the, the church is like a body, right? And then he makes a comparison to, to, the, to a relationship between, between people, husband and wife. They're your own bodies. You're one. He says, why would you hurt yourself? Because when you hurt them, you're actually hurting yourself. And in culture, in, in, the, in the church, when, when we hurt each other within the church, we hurt our own body. And when somebody's separated from the body, like Nikki and Shannon talked about last week, 
they're off alone. They can actually get sick and they can die away apart from the body. They need to be a part of a community. He says, he who loves his wife loves himself. He who loves his wife loves himself. So live in this way. This is what, it, what he's talking about, right? And the reason we understand this is because Jesus fought for, fought for them. If, if you read, in fact, if you read the, the, the Gospels, you'll see that women flock to Jesus. Why? Because in their culture, they saw somebody who was standing up and saying, I see you. I see you as a human, as a person. I value you. They saw that. In fact, many women were what, who funded Jesus' ministry and many of the apostles. Why? Because they realized that this man, he's there to make a difference in our world. He's there to change culture. That it turned, it says the disciples, they begin to live this out. It turned the, the whole world upside down is what it said. Their culture was turned upside down because they began to fight for these rights. Christians began to take care of babies that were left to, to die in the, in the loan. And it changed the way we viewed babies. It's amazing that through history, it was Christians who stepped up and said, we see the value in a person. Despite what color, despite what sex, despite anything, they have value. What's interesting is the first people that records that, that ran to Jesus after his, his resurrection, after his death, to go, go to the tomb, it was women. So in the accounts of Jesus, the, some of the key eyewitnesses and key witnesses were women, which says, if you were making up the story, you would have not inserted that part of the story. Because in their day, women in court, they wouldn't have been believed. Their word were, it was a lot lower than a man's. Whatever man says, women, well, it just doesn't, it doesn't add up. It's not, the same, it, it's not the same value. So when it says the women ran to, to the tomb, they're saying, you don't make this stuff up. We're not going to try to hide. We're not going to try to, we're going to give you the details of it all. Because nobody would have believed the testament of women. I love that about scripture. They just leave it in there, right? He's saying, well, let me help you. So what we can say when, when, when Jesus is talking about loving one another, when Paul is talking about one another, laying your life down, right, uh, submitting to one another, what, what is life to you? You can ask the question, what is life to you? What's important to you in your life? What's important? Then just put her before that, husbands. What's your life to you, ladies? Put him before that. Other people in your life, your coworkers, your kids, your cousins, your family, right? What is life to you? Then put him or her or them before that. That's what it means to submit to one another, is that we say, I really want to do this for myself, but I'm going to put their needs at first. I'm going to let them go first. It's kind of like it's, it's a race to the back of the line, not the front of the line. In our culture, it's always a race to the front of the line, right? You don't want to miss out. So do your, do your, your best to fight to that front. Jesus' way is saying, hey, you want to follow me? It's a race to the back of the line. And you know who gets rewarded? The ones in the back, the ones that are serving everybody else, those are the people that I'm looking for. So Mark um, tells us a story that there was a religious man, a, a lawyer, a leader of, of the day, that he came and um, it says one of the, the teachers of the law, they heard, they heard Jesus debating with some of the other religious people. And he, he says, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he says, of all the commandments, which one is the most important? Jesus, so summarize this. Out of all these, what's the most important? And so Jesus says, the most important one, answered Jesus, is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So he starts off by quoting a prayer in the Old Testament called the Shema. Um, and he starts off by saying, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. He says, if you all know the most important commandment is, it's, it's loving God. And then he doesn't stop. He says, and the second one is love your neighbor as, notice this word, 
Love your neighbor as yourself. <laughs> All right. Love your neighbor as yourself. How do you love yourself? Man, I eat good food. I wear nice clothes, right? I try to sleep in. I, I do a lot of things for myself that I really like. How do you love your neighbor? As yourself. And, and the religious people, they fought this. because they, they, Okay, we get that, Jesus. Love your neighbor, but who exactly is my neighbor? That's the questions that would follow. So, so give us, like, we really want to, like, you know, define this well. And what they're saying is, God, like, okay, that sounds too, like, you want us to love everybody. But that's not what we learn in scriptures. That's not what culture's taught us. So who exactly is my neighbor? They're wanting to say, he's hoping Jesus can say, well, the people like you. The people that voted like you. The people that think like you. The people who went to the same school as you. Not those across town, not the not those those good for nothing Samaritans, right? And Jesus said, You wanna know who your neighbor is? It's those good for nothing Samaritans that you think are good for nothing, but actually have a lot of value because they were made in my image. Love them. And he says, There's no greater commandment than these. Love God, love people, and the way you love people is as yourself. Love them as yourself. Not, not like in a way like, that was good enough, right? Just, I gave me enough time. No, no. Love them as yourself. It's, it's, it's where Paul gets his idea of, of mutual submission. And we begin to say, how can I race to the back of the line in our relationship? How can I help you accomplish all the things you want to accomplish? Um, there's a couple different people I listen to, and they say, this is what they say, John Maxwell and uh, Zig Ziglar. He says, they say, if, if you get, if you help enough people accomplish their dreams, you'll look back and you'll realize that you also accomplished all of your dreams. Because there's something in life that when you help others, there's a reward that always follow that. So he says, Ephesians, submit to one another out of reverence for who? For Christ. Submit to each other out of reverence for Christ. That when you practice the one another's in scripture, you're doing it as unto God, but you're also doing it as unto yourself. And when you do that, you have better health relationships with God and with others. And, and they invite us into that. Um, so um, in Romans 12, 12, 10, he says, be devoted to one another, it's a commitment, be committed, right, in love, honor one another as above yourselves. Honor one another above yourselves. Paul's pointing back to Jesus all the time. This is what Jesus is talking about, loving each other as yourself. There's a psalm in, uh, in the Old Testament, Psalms uh, 133, and uh, it says, it, it's, it's called the Song of Ascent. They would sing it going back to Jerusalem on their, their pilgrimages. And it says, um, how good and pleasant it is when brothers live in harmony. So, when, when family members, when brothers and sisters live together in harmony, it's, it's amazing. And it's, it's, there's only two places where God actually it, it pronounces a blessing upon something. There's another one in Deuteronomy. This is one of the blessings that follows when you, have, when you have unity. It says that the Lord will pronounce his blessing, even life everlasting. Parents know this. There is nothing better in our world when our kids get along. And there is nothing that will make you crazier when your kids fight in the back of the car over an iPad, right, or a phone or toy. There's nothing that'll drive you crazier when you hear them bickering and arguing about something that doesn't mean anything. It drives you crazy. God is the same way. And he says how wonderful and pleasant when we live together in harmony. When we do this, the whole world looks and says, wow, those people are different. In fact, they called the, the early church people of the way because they followed Jesus. They lived a certain way. And this was part of the way. The one in others wasn't practiced. It wasn't levels. It was we are equal. In the sight of God, we are equals. At the foot of the cross, the ground is level. 
There are not places where you're more important than I'm, I'm more important than you. It's, 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 it's level. It means all of us at the foot of the cross have the same value. He died for you as much as he died for me, as much as he died for our enemies. He died for us all. And he's saying practice these things, right? Because really what this is, when you, when you have harmony, when, when you live in unity, it's, it's, it's less of ourself, right? It's, it's racing the back of the line. And, and here's the thing about, about, about when you're selfless, selfless people, they're happier people. And selfless relationships are always richer relationships. Remember I said that there's two things really that, that makes the world kind of move and go forward. It's, it's money and it's relationships. And only one of them makes you rich. Those who have less self-relationships, which means I'm going to put you first, not just my own needs. I'm not going to just take advantage. I'm going to serve and help you to accomplish your, your dreams. Those are richer relationships. And the healthiest relationships are these kind of relationships that aren't all in it for just ourselves saying, how can I help you accomplish more? How can I serve you? How can I, how can I encourage you to do this? So here's our challenge, all right? Our challenge for this week is let's learn to race to the back of the line. This week, when there's an opportunity for you to do what you want to do, that you would race to the back of the line and say, how can I serve? How can I serve? How can I, how can I help others? And if you do this by honoring one another above yourself, you would treat others as equals. You would say, I want to help you become everything God wants you to become. And the reason this is important is because race, relationships, they determine who we are and who we'll become. And if you get it right, you'll become a better version of yourself as you help others become better versions of themselves. And the, the, the gift about marriage, and I said this when Sister and I both taught, is we help each other become more like Christ. We help each other. Knock off the rough edges, which is a lot of um, – it, it's, it's tension in those relationships, right? It's like what Shannon Nicky talked about, the, the iron sharpens iron. That's not always uncomfortable when you have to knock off those rough edges, but they help us become better. It's like this marble that hasn't quite finished yet, and the, 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 the artist is chiseling off those little edges. That's what God is doing in our lives. He's using others to, to do this because they help us become who God wants us to become. Remember this, biblical love is always the decision to seek the well-being of somebody else. If you want to love somebody else as yourself, seek the well-being of them. Learn to seek the well-being of them. And as you do that, life will work a lot better. And what you'll notice is it doesn't matter how much money you have. You might not have a whole lot in your bank account, but you're going to be happier because your relationships are healthier. It doesn't matter if you drive, drive the nice, nicest car. You'll be more satisfied because your relationships are satisfied. And we'll focus on the correct things, not the incorrect things we'll, we'll, we'll walk into the hard things not just always look for the easy way and culture is always pointing the easy way our phones are always pointing the easy way social media is the easy way running to pleasure is the easy way going to pornography is the easy way it's a shortcut and typically the easy way makes you weak makes you lazy and makes you miss out on what's really important you look back and say man why wasn't i doing all those things i should have been doing so this week, would you rush, race to the back of the line? It's the harder thing to do. Learn to serve people. Make it a competition between you and others to say, how can I serve? You do this by asking more questions. You do this by, by being thoughtful, sending text messages, phone calls, right? And, and most of the time, people are like, whoa, whoa, I don't want to go first. Well, if you're a Jesus follower, you're called to go first. And until you go first, your relationships will never be what they can. And the reason they're not is because you, you, you stop yourself from going first. Let's be the ones who say, you know what? I'm going to go to the back of the line first. I'm going to serve. I'm going to help. I'm going to love others. So John 13, Jesus says, A new command I give to you, 
love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And everybody will know that we're his disciples if we love one another. So the one another of scripture is saying, I, you go first. No, you go first. And we let people accomplish things God is wanting them to accomplish a lot of times. We help them. So as we end our service today, maybe you're here today, and um, my prayer is that as this message we talked about Jesus and how he's made a difference in our world, maybe you're not following Christ. And today would be the, I, I would pray that the, the day that you'd make that decision to say, you know what, I think that's a person worth following. I'm going to go with the guy who said he was going to die and then come back to life. I'm going to go with that guy. I'm going to go with the guy who said, hey, in the eyes of God, we are equal. In the eyes of God, we need to love one another. And not always be trying to one-up each other and trying to get ahead of each other, but let's love one another. I'm with that guy. So today, maybe you're here and you haven't made that decision. I'm going to give you an opportunity in a second. Maybe you're here in this room, and as I talk about this, you realize, like, in my relationships, I tend to be a little more maybe self, not so selfless, but selfish. I make self very, very important. And maybe I need to say, how can I make them more important? How can I serve them? And I know it's a little scary and it's a little maybe frightening to do that, but I promise when you try this, your relationships will get better. Because what's going to happen is they're going to be like, after they like pick themselves off the ground, like, what? You want me to go first? Like, you care about me? After a few times of that, they're going to realize like, wow, you really do care. I had my mentor. I, I remember um, um, he, he, was, he was great at telling you you were dumb, right, when you were dumb. But you always left that meeting knowing that he loved you. Because he knew that sometimes the conversation was what you needed to help you become better. He always had this way of being able to tell you that you just weren't getting it in a loving way. That's what God calls us to. How can we love people and let them know that they can trust us because we have their best at heart, not just our own? In our culture, this is very difficult because we know everybody's trying to do their own thing, get their own, have their own way. And God says, no, let's do something different. Let's flip this on its head. Let's let them go first. Let's honor them. Let's love others as we love ourselves. Do me a favor. Close your eyes and bow your head today. If you're here today and you would want to pray a prayer with me saying, God, I want to invite you to my life. I want to follow your lead. I want to become a Jesus follower and live like Paul did and like James did and like Peter and the disciples did. I want to take these these passages and these scriptures, these teachings and apply them to my life and live them out. So if you're here today and you don't make that decision, you don't want to take that step towards Christ, please let me know by lifting your hand. Father God, today I want to follow your lead. I want to follow your example. I want to love others the way you love them. Forgive me of making self so important. Forgive me of my actions, my sins that separate and break my relationships. Today, I put my trust in you. life that's worthy of your sacrifice. Help me.
Help me to put others first. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, church. Let's celebrate those that prayed the prayer.